The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better, too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And uh, it's pretty much official. All Elite Wrestling's Double or Nothing live in Las Vegas sold out in less than five minutes. Uh, it took a little bit longer due to the computer glitches and all that stuff. But basically with the signups and the sales, five minutes, boom, 12,000 tickets, clean. Uh, it's such a cool feeling uh, knowing we're onto something special. I think the Young Bucks said it best when Matt tweeted that AEW needs a bigger building. That's actually a great uh, graphic out there. I'm going to post on my Instagram story tonight where there's the uh, girl swimming in the uh, ocean with Jaws coming up underneath the famous Jaws poster, and it says, AEW, we're going to need a bigger venue. Ain't that the truth? Because we sold out, baby. Uh, and so much more going on. Another big news, dates for... Uh, Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. Part two, second wave have been announced January 20th to the 24th. We're going from Miami to the Bahamas. It's going to be a blast. If you missed out last October, here's your chance to uh, come on the best vacation ever. And we've already announced AEW will be on the ship. All Elite Wrestling is going to be there. Fozzie is going to be playing uh, so many more A-list talent, rock and roll bands, comedians, live podcasts, Hall of Famers, paranormal experiences, so much going on. Sign up for the pre-sale list now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Don't get left behind like a lot of people did uh, when they uh, didn't go for the pre-sale on Double or Nothing. It's sold out so fast. ChrisJerichoCruise.com to sign up for the pre-sale for the second edition, the second wave, part two of the greatest vacation of your lifetime. And if you don't, uh, if you have any questions, ask anybody that was on the ship how much fun they had. It's going to be a blast. Uh, like I said, AEW is going to be on board. And speaking of All Elite Wrestling, uh, it's the man behind the hottest new company in the wrestling world. My new boss, Tony Khan, is here. Uh, we sat down in Las Vegas at the All Elite Wrestling Rally last week. And now you hear the story about how AEW came to be from the planning to execution and what's in store this year and down the road, including Double or Nothing live event at the MGM Arena in Las Vegas on Memorial Day weekend. We're going to talk about that. Uh, a little bit of information about Tony. He and his family own the uh, NFL uh, franchise, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Also, uh, the Premier League uh, football club, uh, Fulham Football, Fulham FC uh, in uh, London. He's a business guy who knows his stuff, especially when it comes to sports entertainment. 
Uh, he's also a diehard, diehard wrestling fan. He used to trade and collect tapes. Cool stories about attending ECW events uh, to meet me, see me, chatting with wrestlers online, like Brian Pillman and DDP back in the 90s when AOL message boards and chat rooms were just getting started. He's a lifelong wrestling fan, and he is now my new boss. Uh, see what he's got in store for all the elite wrestling. Here's Tony Khan on Talk is Jericho, starting now. All right, so uh, here at the MGM Grand, where um, just had another huge uh, appearance, rally, ticket sale uh, function. Uh, AEW, man, it's it's the real deal, and, and Tony Khan is here with me to talk about this. We've been planning on this for a while, but I mean, this is just kind of the talk of the wrestling world, the yeah. entire concept of the company and everything that's been going on ever since. Absolutely. Uh, we, we've created a lot of buzz in a short amount of time. Uh, with the involvement of yourself and now Kenny Omega and the elite since uh, the initial rally in Jacksonville we put together a tremendous roster we're going to launch with us some of the best wrestlers in the world competing for us and I think it's really exciting it is exciting and the thing is too and, and you know obviously there's so many things to talk about and we'll get to all of it but but the first and foremost thing is starting a wrestling company now they've come and gone from herb abrams to the xwf to <laughs> you know even the original impact with dixie carter uh it's not the easiest thing in the world to do now now that we're kind of getting in the thick of things and obviously you have a huge background which we'll talk about how is it as far as just starting up a wrestling company we've been looking at doing it for a very very long time uh and uh it's something i'd wanted to do my entire life it's been uh, every bit as exciting as I thought it would be, uh, and to have great people uh, like yourself and like uh, the Young Bucks and Cody and and now Kenny Omega to work with, you know, you guys, what you're bringing in terms of like experience and leadership to this uh, is made it uh, for me possible to for this to happen, honestly, because obviously I wouldn't be here without all of you guys. The timing for this whole thing has been unbelievable. It's a once-in-a-lifetime chance, and it's one of the reasons that I was attracted to it in the first place when it came up, because you have a bunch of different factors. One, you've got Tony Khan, who's a lifelong wrestling fan, but also runs, uh, you know, I'm not saying runs, but you guys own the Jacksonville Jaguars. You have a big part of the infrastructure of the Jaguars, of the Fulham Football Club in London, uh, plus that all of these guys' contracts came up at the same time. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just a real uh, moment of, of happenstance, if you will. So you said you wanted to do this for a long time. What finally made you able to do it now here in 2019? A number of factors, economic factors, the fact that I think wrestling for advertisers now has become attractive, that advertisers can see uh, there's a huge base of wrestling fans all over the world. They're really passionate and they're good people, they're educated people, and it's a really diverse group. And I think there's a lot of really passionate fans around this group of wrestlers, the talent, yourself, uh, the elite, and uh, a number of the competitors that are coming into this, uh, Dr. Britt Baker, Kylie Ray, and Brandy, and all the great uh, surprises we have planned for Double or Nothing. We've got a male and female roster with just a really, really great engagement among the fans. And to me, uh, that makes it uh, the right time to strike. And then, when, like you said, when you've got all these great talents with their contracts coming up and when we're in a market where there's TV money to be had and it's the right time 
to try and make a deal with a major network for wrestling TV show. I think uh, it's the right climate for a number of reasons. And so it's something I'd always wanted to do. And all of a sudden, it just felt like the right time to strike. It's interesting because you mentioned, you talk about Bucks and Kenny and... Um you know, to even take put Cody in that equation because the last time we saw him, he was not at the level he is now. So you basically have an infrastructure. Because I always said to start a wrestling company, you need six to eight legitimate top guys. Yeah. And we've got that right off the bat. But most of America, North America, has not seen the Young Bucks or Kenny Omega or Adam Page or Cody. Now, obviously, if you're a hardcore New Japan Ring of Honor fan, but if you're talking about national television exposure, you're going to have these people that are basically overnight 15-year sensations. Absolutely. Which is so rare. It reminds me back of the ECW time when you could bring in Eddie and Dean and Chris and Jericho, guys that had been working 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 years that no one had ever heard of. Sure. That's kind of where we're at now. Well, what about taking it another level? What about WCW? What about a performer like a Chris Jericho or an Eddie Guerrero who people hadn't seen. Right. And then you're on Monday nights on the same show as Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. And now, you know, for a performer with the experience and uh, the worldwide recognition that you have to come in and uh, be on this show and with a performer like, you know, Sammy Guevara or Joey Janela, like that's huge for them. And for these guys like uh, MJF and some of the young wrestlers we have, uh, to be on uh, around your star power and be able to take advantage of that and launch their own careers. I think like, again, WCW uh, did that for a lot of wrestlers. And I think, uh, you know, we can do that and in a more sustainable fashion. Quite bluntly, like I, I want to talk about your history as a wrestling fan, but, but where did you come from to put together AEW for now? Like, obviously I know the genesis of when I first heard your name was maybe June or July or something like this. Sure. But, but what, what started you like in 18 or 17 to start looking to see how, like who caught, did Cody call you? Did you call him? No, nobody called me. Uh, I made a lot of calls uh, last spring, last really, uh, it's been over a year. I, I've been really interested in this uh, for a long time. I've always... Oh, you've always wanted to do it. Yeah. But what what, what kind of finally prompted you to pull the trigger? Well, like, you know, like, first of all, it's, it's a lifelong thing for me. Like, my entire life, since I was uh, seven years old, uh, maybe even six, uh, had been watching wrestling on TV when I was seven, got really, really into it, and anything I could find at every video store in the market. You Coliseum know? Video. God, it's just Coliseum <laughs> Video, though, Chris. Like, uh, a lot of Coliseum Video, but other stuff, too. You know, the wrestling gold and uh, and uh, obviously all the Crockett and uh, Turner home video stuff. So were you like a tape trader? I ended up becoming a tape trader when I was really, really young. And I didn't have, uh, like, I all I had was tapes everybody had, right? Because everybody had the stuff you could rent at Blockbuster or Hollywood Video or Family Video, Farmore, every video store I could find. These are called video stores, kids. They don't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, and I was really an annoying kid. Like, I would call uh, all the video stores and try and see what wrestling tapes they had in, like, all the time. And I would, like, you know, cast a wide net to get everything I could. But still, as a tape trader, I didn't have anything, like, that rare when I was getting started. And I didn't have, like, any m 
money. You know, my parents didn't give me any money, so I didn't. I was like a twelve year old kid on AOL. So I, uh, which, which is up, so funny. Let me just say for people who don't know, your parents didn't give you any money, and, and your dad is a multi billionaire yeah. for many years. So I love to hear that they didn't give you any money. You didn't grow up with the silver spoon. You know, no, I mean, I did. I mean, relative to most <laughs> people, I did grow up with the silver spoon. I'm, I'm very money. fortunate. I'm very fortunate. Like, uh, but you I, weren't getting money for wrestling tapes. Yeah, no, I was a very blessed uh, childhood. But they didn't. Yeah, they they didn't indulge me with like lots of cash uh, to spend on whatever I wanted. So I I, I actually ended up uh, you know making friends with other people like who would send me tapes and I could send them back. Or like I'd done some stuff like uh, John McAdam is a tape trader. Uh, who uh, shout out to John? Yeah, shout out to John McAdam. And I, uh, I, I had mentioned this recently that like uh, I had uh, as a as a kid, I had done HTML like for John's site. So he had acquired a bunch of tapes uh, from Jeff Bowdrin, uh, and uh, and he wanted. Uh, like the HTML breaks. So I put them in the page breaks and like he would send me some tapes. And so I ended up getting all this great stuff over the years uh, from John, like uh, Memphis, Mid-South and Japan, all kinds of stuff from all over the world and built a great collection. And then through a friend of mine named Todd in Chicago, he uh, shout out to Todd. Uh, he sent me uh, your match with Ultimo Dragon from 1995, which was like one of the first five star matches I'd seen when I was like 12 years old and I really wanted to see some five star matches and I was like trying to learn and uh and your match from uh, July 7th 1995 uh <laughs> with Ultimo Dragon is uh one of my favorite matches and it led me uh to really following your career and into when you got into ECW and I had also told this story before but that uh when my when I got into uh the top junior high slash high school in the state and one of the top programs in the country my dad said you can have anything you want and i said well i'd really like to go uh to ecw for this fan convention weekend there's two shows and it was your last two matches in ecw uh with sabu at the lulu temple <laughs> and with two cold scorpio on august 3rd 1996 at the ecw arena you like the rain man i am so how old are you now i'm 36 so you were probably so you were about 15 or 14 no i was like 13 Oh my god! I was like 13, and I was right before my 14th. Wow! Birthday. So hold on a second. So you went and saw Sabu and Jericho, but so refresh my memory. My dad took me. But he was, was great. but refresh my memory. Was it was it a special show where they had a fan convention? You said yeah. There so, was a there was a weekend fan convention, gotcha. and uh, a bunch of my friends had said, "Hey, like you know, come in for this if you can. It'd be a great weekend." And so at the time, like you know, I mean, the Observer wasn't even online yet. This was, I mean, the Observer wouldn't be online for a long time at this sure. point. Yeah. So like, uh, you know, um, there was rspw there was like the aol grandstand <laughs> when i was you know uh, on aol like brian pillman uh ddp a lot of mark marrow a lot of guys got on aol in like really? the mid 90s and like interacted wow. with fans um and were really cool about it like brian pillman's wife sent me uh the shirt off brian's back from like a nitro just for like just being nice to them on aol no when, as i was like 12 years old yeah. and these are the fledgling days of the internet yeah so those guys were, were, were visionary enough to, to be on that even when no one knew what it was. Absolutely, yeah. It was wow. really cool. They were on the cutting edge. And, I mean, ECW did tons of promotion uh, through those, like, uh, chat rooms and, and message boards and stuff. And uh, so, yeah, it was a special, like, uh, fan convention show. And uh, it was like, yeah, it was going to be your last two matches, which I was really excited to see. And I had told friends this, and some of my friends that were there might remember this, but like I, your match was the last one before the intermission with two cold Scorpio. It was a classic match. He does the shooting star press at the end. 
and landed right on my face. Oh man! <laughs> the thing about Scorpio, just to hold that story for a second, is he was like uh, an acrobatic cruiserweight in the body of a heavyweight. He had a big ass. He was a big guy, great guy, great worker. But when he came through with those flips and flops. Sometimes he barely made the cut because you're talking about a guy that's 245, 250 pounds, yep. six foot tall. So I remember that, so that shooting star press, he came straight through in his face, uh, his, uh, his uh, palm hit me right in the face and gave me a nice big black eye. Oh. Oh, <laughs> and man. sitting there watching him come through, like, oh, get that, get that big ass through, buddy. And I was like, <laughs> I was like 13 years old. You're my favorite wrestler. And I'm actually, I had like a Chris Jericho sign in the crowd. No kidding. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What a crazy. Yeah thing right yeah. and here we are now you can see it on the video of the, of the match and uh and yeah i mean here we are and uh and and we're here because it makes business sense not because i did it no, because, sure. but, listen man like, like like we'll get to that in a second yeah. but, but let me, i don't want to gloss over this and the other yeah. one is the lulu temple sabu match which paul Heyman sold that tape for the next 10 years yeah. Every show there was a commercial, Sabu Jericho, only match. I'm like, Paulie, how many of those tapes did you sell? And he's like, Oh, we've sold twenty five hundred. I said, Really? How much money do you owe me? Well, I, I didn't mean that many. <laughs> That's great. So do you went with your dad to ECW? He brought me in and, and was, this was, this is Shad Khan from from you guys are what's your background? Uh, my dad's uh one of the biggest uh, auto parts entrepreneurs in the world. Uh, he started uh, his own auto parts company out in the Midwest called Flexingate. Uh, and it's grown uh, over time from you know one factory on into many factories all over the world. And uh, he's a really inspirational person, not a wrestling fan. So and what country is he from? He's from Pakistan. Pakistan. I'm thinking Callahan Auto Parts with the, with yeah. the brake pads. He so actually has he, factories in Sandusky, Ohio now. So he does. Dude, you're Tommy boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony boy. Yeah. It hasn't escaped us. Yeah. So 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 he, yeah, and it's 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 you know not to get too much into it, but doing the research that I did, he created some kind of a special bumper or something that every motor was GM, Ford, whatever it may be, and suddenly became this multi-billionaire from this product that he created when he came over here with basically nothing. Yeah, yeah. and he's now he makes all kinds of auto parts for all all auto companies all over the world and uh you know really really great person and uh the american I, dream that's he, the epitome of the american dream really is the yeah. american dream it's pretty awesome and yeah it, it was really nice of him to take me uh and you know they told me you could you know whatever you want if you do this you take this test you get into the school you can have it and that's what i wanted <laughs> it's so like your it was, bar mitzvah and it was and the thing about it was if you remember the people chanted you sold out of you and it really, I took it very personally as a big Chris Jericho fan because at 13 years old, I was sitting in the crowd and I was like, see, this is why these people can't have nice things. <laughs> because, and I looked at friends and I was like, guys, like, this is terrible. And they were like, what's wrong? And I was like, it's Jericho. Like, what? they were so lucky to have him here, like, in this place. And, you know, now he's gone and guys like that aren't going to want to come wrestle here now. And, uh, that's so funny because I forgot about that until you just mentioned it. Because I remember I was talking about I've been to Cork and Hall and I've been here, there, and everywhere. But ECW Arena is one of my favorite places to be. And they're chanting, "You sold out!" and "You sold out!" I'm like, "Yeah, you know, I might be." Yeah, you know, what are you, what are you going to say in that position? Because you, lo I love ECW, but I was only there for a short period of time. Right. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
What did your dad think about the ECW experience? Oh, man. You, I mean, uh, sometime you got to talk to him about it. Please, I, I highly encourage you to come up to him uh, at Double or Nothing Memorial Day weekend in Las Vegas. Come talk to him about it. Uh, he would love loved it. He thought it was... Uh, like uh the closest thing he'd seen to like uh a war zone he it was like it was like the billy joel song he was like stranded in a combat zone <laughs> what other uh matches or segments were there on those two uh the, the the august 3rd show the arena show was called the doctor is in so it had the kiss it had the uh the bwo's kiss right stevie was paul stanley yeah. manny was gene simmons yeah uh uh nova was ace frilly and like donnie allen was peter chris donnie allen. donnie allen and then sandman came out and caned them all because it was right when kissed me did the reunion yep yep <laughs> the, you wanted the best you got the best it was uh they did it they actually teased it the night before at lulu temple and then they did it again the next night at the arena um, but yeah, so that was, that was that weekend. And, uh, there was, uh, so it was supposed to be Sandman Raven, but Stevie ended up uh, wrestling the match cause Raven was in the boot. And, uh, there was a uh, Steve Williams, uh, debut. Doctor, that's the doctor. Gotcha. Yeah. That, hence the doctor is in yeah, right? Yeah. right. Shane Douglas, Pipple, uh, when they did the, the, the thing with the, the neck injury, the neck, which was, I think a real thing. Yeah. And, uh, they turned into an angle, right? Right. right, right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was, a. Jeez. Big show, and uh, but yeah, I was really excited to see you perform in that show, and uh, my dad probably not as excited to take me to it, but he was great about it. <laughs> that's really cool, though, because like you said, you can tell that's a real fan because you grew up where? In Champaign, Illinois. So you're in Champaign, Illinois, which is Midwest, and you're going to you know Lulu Temple in Philly to watch these ECW matches. It's not like it was just hop in a car and drive there. I'm assuming you probably you had to fly or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, my dad, yeah, my dad had, uh, had a private plane. So yeah, <laughs> for him, he does. but, uh, so yeah, it was for him, it was, uh, you know, an expensive trip. So it was really a uh, great event to cool. do. Hey, listen, it doesn't matter how expensive it was. He told you if you got the, 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 into that the, uh, course or school or whatever, yeah. you got anything you wanted. That's really cool, man. So, so you, you, this is, you started this love affair with the business. Then obviously ECW folds. And you, uh, WB's there, WCW folds, but now you're kind of integrating yourself into, uh, when you, what is your official position with the Jaguars? I'm the head of stats and analytics for the Jaguars. Now for NFL football, that's a pretty big job. Yeah. And, uh, when I started it, there weren't a lot of teams that had people doing that position, uh, filling that role. And, you know, I think we innovated a lot of things and are continuing to innovate some cool things uh, in the space of analytics and football. I also own a company called True Media that is an engineering firm that provides sports analytics solutions to teams across many sports. What are sports analytics? What does that mean? So sp sports analytics uh, is, a, is a collection of data points and statistics that can be applied uh, to decision-making in the field of sports. And when I'm talking about it, I don't mean so much like the sales or the ticketing or marketing aspect of it. The work I've done has primarily been the product on the field for the NFL or on the pitch, as we would say, uh, at Fulham, and using that data to drive decision-making. And it, it seems like you're kind of riding the wave on this. It goes, I, I'm not sure if you created this position, but it's something that, that seems like in the modern day world of the NFL that it's much more relevant now than it was, let's say, 10 or 15, 20 years it ago. definitely didn't create this position, but was one of the first people to have it gotcha. uh, in the NFL. Took advantage of it. Yeah, and when we bought the team, there weren't a lot of people doing this kind of work. There are no, now pretty much every team to some extent is doing this kind of work, and the league provides much more information to the teams 
through uh, actually chips that are in the players' pads now uh, providing location data. I think other sports have really seen, yeah location data on the field or Look, for every play from every moment of every play. We're we're capturing data now uh, in the NFL. But what kind of data? How like are you talking about from a physical standpoint or from a position data? Yeah, position speed. And, uh, you know, acceleration so we can derive so much information uh, and, you know, if we can find out how open receivers are getting. We can wow. uh, find out. Yeah, it's it's really it's cool. It's like a video game or something. Yeah, it's really That's great. That's really stuff. interesting. So across a number of sports, uh, we have this kind of information. And, uh, yeah, through our work at the Jaguars and also my work at True Media, uh, I have been able uh, to apply statistics to decision making. And this is what I'm saying when you're talking about a guy who's been a lifelong wrestling uh, wrestling fan, obviously very passionate, but also you understand the, uh, you know, like even when I was thinking when we first started talking, it's okay, who knows how to run a wrestling company? I mean, Vince's dad did, and then Vince took over. He had some ideas, but I don't think he really knew how. What he understood was the concept of the business side, and I think it's the same for you. You understand the, when you say sports entertainment, that's not necessarily just wrestling. Like when I think of the NFL, like we just saw the Super Bowl last weekend. I mean, whether you like the 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 band that played during the the halftime show or not, the production of it and the entertainment value was second to none. So to be involved and to work so high up in the Jacksonville Jaguars as you do, you understand the entertainment value as much as anybody that ever worked in the wrestling business, in my opinion. Thank you very much, man. I I mean, the NFL uh, is a very, very, very powerful league. In America, in most years, 23, 24 of the most watched shows uh, out of the top 25 right. are going to be NFL games. Uh, maybe 45, 47 out of the top 50 most watched shows and 90, 91 out of the top 100 most watched shows are going to be NFL football games. And uh, we have a lot of informed data on American TV viewership and knew that right now is a great time for live sports TV content. Right, because networks are looking for live sports because you can't really DVR it as much. Yeah. You, you, you know, obviously, if you're not going to DVR the, the, the Super Bowl. I mean, you could, but part of it is watching it live and seeing all the plays. The same thing when you're talking about Raw or SmackDown. It's all live, live, live. Yep. And that's kind of the concept of what we're thinking about for doing for AEW because it's so... A premium right now absolutely and i mean dvr viewership is important viewership too i think live plus seven is what they look at right. now as a big metric which means live plus the next seven days right yeah yeah but absolutely uh that live sports programming is so valuable right now in media and uh it really uh it seems like an excellent time so you asked me before like you know how this all came together and i think it was just uh good timing for a number of reasons so again for a really long time I had been uh looking at it considering it and then uh, you know, in the past year, really more than a year, just a lot of stuff came together. So when you when you were talking about like when you mentioned you went and saw ECW and obviously ECW closed early two thousands, were you a big fan of 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 both WCW and WWE? I was a big fan of everything. I was a fan right. of uh, I mean WWF. I was WCW, uh, ECW, Mid South, Memphis, Smoky Mountain, wow. All Japan, New Japan, War, Michinoku <laughs> Pro. I mean, yeah, you name it. How did you find enough time to watch all that? Well, I was week? a kid. I was a little kid. I mean, yeah. we're talking about like I don't have to, you know now it's it. I've, you know, what's great about it now is I don't have a lot of free time. I have a full-time job at Fulham, a full-time job at the Jaguars. And it's, you know, I'm constantly multitasking between jobs. those two things. Yeah. And I love what I do. And I really, uh, I really do value it. And I think, uh, 
I can, if I put all my time in, I really do believe um, that, you know, if I, if I manage every day and uh, do my best to be accountable to the people at, at these, at these organizations that, yeah, I do think I'm the best person to do the stuff that I'm doing. And it's, that's what, you know, that's why it makes it rewarding to, to get out of bed and do the stuff. And with just like with this, um, it's the same thing. I mean, I, what's great about it was like any free time I would have had before I would spend watching wrestling. And it, it's like now, uh, now there is no free time, but it's great because I love, you know, like I was saying, I love everything I'm doing. I love being accountable, you know, to you guys and your families and to the people that are going to work here uh, and that we're going to do, do right by them. And, uh, you know, what's great about this, this place is, um, you know, everybody that works here, that's coming in, you know, they're here for a reason. Like, uh, nobody got hired here by accident. You know, this truly is like an all elite team of people. And, uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's really awesome place to be. And that is the truth because everybody, I know that I've given a couple suggestions, um, some have been used, some have not been, but it seems like that's probably the same with everybody. It's like, we're not looking and this is no offense to anybody, but we're not, we're not looking for from names from other organizations. I think Cody's uh, word is fresh. Yeah, we're looking for fresh. Everything needs to be kind of ahead of the wave rather than going back behind. Absolutely. You know. So when you, I guess the, the the question I keep asking you is, what was the catalyst to start? This AEW. I know you wanted to do it for years. I know you've been thinking about it for a while, but things move pretty fast from when I first heard your name in, let's say, June to here we are in February. That's seven, eight months later. Had you been talking to someone earlier? What was the first indication where you went i'm doing it now it it never it just i became more sure of it i mean for a long time uh it just started to make more and more sense to me as i looked at the market looked at the availability of performers in uh different windows and saw that like wow like uh you know, in 2019, there's going to be a real opportunity here. Gotcha. I, so you knew the contracts were coming up. I had, yeah, I think it, it it was public knowledge. I think that stuff had been uh, written in the Observer. That stuff had been put online about you know people's deals coming up and and then who was and who wasn't working with with a deal. I think it, it was pretty public knowledge uh, that you were out working other places and. Uh, also, my research of the TV market and uh, media rights told me that there was going to be uh, a really good climate for us to get involved in this. So just really the, all the details came together at the right time. And uh, there wasn't one moment where I was like 100% sure that I was doing it. It was like it went from being like, you know, 90 to 95 to 99 to 99.99. <laughs> but but uh, I don't know if I can pin it down to one. It was just a lot of uh, factors over time happening all at the same time did you go and talk to your dad about this yeah i did and uh i had a business case and a business plan and it made sense and uh i wouldn't have asked him to fund it if it wasn't a logical plan and and frankly he wouldn't have funded it of if it wasn't not. logical That's what plan. I mean. here's the one thing when you talk about billionaires whether it's the Khan family whether it's freaking the mcmahon family or rupert murdoch or uh, todd wagner another uh, cuban all those guys you don't become billionaires by losing money. Right. So it's like Shark Tank. You're not going to invest, you know, X amount of dollars into something just because you think it's a, a fun thing to do. Obviously, there's probably an infrastructure and a plan. And like you mentioned, a business plan. So did you have to go pitch this to your dad and say, Dad, here's what I got in mind? Yeah, absolutely. I did. I, I uh, put together a business plan and showed it to him. And uh, 
he was interested and he's not interested in wrestling, but he's interested in good business. And this was a, sure. good, a good business plan. So it intrigued him and he got involved and, uh, and helped me put this together. And obviously he knows your passion for it. Yeah. He, that, that's a part of it. But honestly, uh, you know, I think, uh, if it was a sports media venture, like, yeah, he knows it's my passion probably is a big part of the selling and he knows that I'm going to do, uh, do a good job with it. But, um, you know, I don't think he did this to make me happy or, you know, because he knew I was going to really enjoy it. I am happy with it and I, I do enjoy it. And it's going to be a lot of hard work. But I think he truly funded it because, like, this is a good business. <laughs> what we're about to do uh, is going to be a huge, huge success. And he wanted uh, to be a part of it. Well, like I said, and I've been doing this for almost 30 years and, and, and seeing them come, seeing them go, seeing them come and go before they even came. And to me, like, it really is. That's why I'm here, because it's exciting. Like, you, we talk about changing the world, or as I said, change the universe. The whole landscape of the business really has a chance to change. Yeah, man. After being kind of stuck in a, in a mode for the last 18, 19 years, basically since Vince bought WCW. I mean, I think a lot of people thought, okay, that's the end of it. And now suddenly here you come, and here with all these guys, you know, being available there's a viable chance to do something not competing with the WWE, but giving people an alternative. It's just going to be better for everybody. It'll be better for the, for the wrestlers. It'll be much better for the wrestling fans. And it's going to be better for uh, the companies. I think it's good. It's going to be great for us getting started, but I think it'll be good for everybody because it's just going to be a much more interesting time uh, to be a fan of wrestling. And, you know, the time uh, when you came into national and international prominence in WCW and then on Raw uh, really, to me, uh, was the last time that it was like that. And, and you can tell today because there's still numerous podcasts books being written about you know this era that's been gone for 18 years now and we still relive it week by week all the time and uh there's just something about it and i'm not saying this is going to be that or that we're trying to do that again or copy that i just want people to feel that way again and it doesn't have to be exactly the same and it doesn't have to be because shows are on at the same time of the night. If anything, put more shows on more nights of the week so there's more wrestling for people to watch. And that's a great thing about now. I mean, yeah, there is a lot of wrestling to watch now. But no, there's not as much high-budget quality wrestling as there was 20 years ago. And that's a problem. And that's something we're going to do something about. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's going to be a return of you know, exciting wrestling with top stars and great production values and all those things coming together in the same place with, you know, great promotion and, and taking the stars seriously, the fans seriously, and treating the product as a legitimate sports property and treating wins and losses as everything. Because to me, that's all I know is wins and losses. And, you know, Winning should uh, make your day, make your week, make your year, and losing should break your heart. And if that's not important, what are we even doing this for? That's a great point, and, and we don't have to delve too much into it, but it's something that's been pointed out. You said it in Jacksonville. I believe Cody said it as well. Uh, and you said coming from an NFL background, like this week talking about the Super Bowl, 
Tom Brady's the hero and freaking the Rams are the zeros for this week. And in wrestling, that's not the case. I mean, I can call it out because I don't give a shit. But you see that John Cena come out and lose and the next week not even care. That doesn't happen in any type of sport or any type of movie or any type of TV where losses matter. Like you mentioned, that crushes you. If you have a bad gig as a musician, you feel like shit. Yeah. It bothers you for a week two weeks three weeks on end so are you saying that the, your idea for a w and you don't have to get into specifics completely is that wins and losses will matter absolutely wins and losses are going to matter in all elite wrestling and uh the championship picture the contention uh wins and losses will be a key factor and you know people are going to care about winning and losing and the fans are going to care about who wins and who loses because the the performers are going to care about who wins and who loses uh it's going to be really competitive and again a true legitimate sporting property that it is see but i've always said that too though like like for example because sometimes you hear people say oh wins and losses don't matter in wrestling well that's not necessarily the truth but if i'm a baby face and i lose 10 matches in a row it's not going to be good for me if i lose nine matches in a row and then have a match against the world champion and beat them just like sports you could be the last place team and sometimes the last place team beats the first place team those upsets happen sure that doesn't mean you're gonna get a championship fight but it does make a difference and incorporate that into a wrestling roster to me it sounds very interesting and once again it's fresh absolutely and it is exciting you know and not just doing it to be different, to do something that's not being done just to make a splash. I mean, this is really what I believe in. And I think, uh, you know, that competition is going to differentiate us. And uh, I think people are really excited about working here because they want to go to a place where wins and losses matter. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let me ask you a question as a fan, as a, as a big fan. How was it for you when first ECW closes, then WCW closes, and then WWE's the monopoly. Did that affect your enjoyment for the product when there was no competition? Yeah, I found myself watching more international wrestling at first, and then um, I found myself watching less wrestling, and then I found myself watching more international wrestling again, and then I found myself watching less wrestling. And you go through these uh, ebbs and flows. And, uh, you know, I would I would get really into Lucha and then um, but, you know, you're traveling and it's hard to keep track of. And, and, and so, yeah, then, you know, then I would get into Japanese wrestling. And frankly, you know, it did a lot of positive things for me because this current crop of stars. I mean, I've been watching these guys that, that, that you're going to be working with that we're going to be working with here at All Elite Wrestling 10 years ago, 2009, 2010, 2011 and get into Dragon Gate, you know start to see the young bucks and Pac and people like that and then watching junior heavyweight tournaments and you know you're seeing guys uh that i love from the wwf like takamich and oku but you see all these exciting people you know 2010 like uh, 2011 
Kota Ibushi, Kenny Omega, really exciting people that set a really high standard still today. And I think it did expand a lot of people's horizons. And I think a lot of people around America probably got more into international wrestling than they might have otherwise, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And once again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier in that hardcore fans... Yes, I think a lot of fans have no idea what goes on overseas. That's one of the things why why, why Jericho and New Japan was so big for them is because it raised the awareness in the United States. Now, when we go national live on you know a television station that whatever it is that we end up on, which we know is going to be a good one, um, it's going to be a, like I said, who the hell is this Kenny Omega? Who are these young bucks? Like, even for me, like, I've obviously been doing this a long time, but when you're in WWE, I watched a little bit, but more just reading, reading the, the, the websites and the newsletters. So I'd heard about the bucks and I heard about Kenny. I had never seen a Kenny match until after we signed the deal for the Tokyo. I thought that was a work. I That's figured no, you must have seen. No, because you know why? Because enough people that I trusted told me he was amazing. That's all I needed to know. You know, and Don Callis, he's amazing. Don Callis hates everything. So if he's telling me and AJ's telling me and Finn's telling me this guy's the guy, Gallows and Anderson, okay, I believe you. Same thing with the Bucks. When I got in the ring with Kenny, it was a whole different world. When I got in the ring with the Bucks on the cruise, it was like, holy shit, these guys are good. Now, there's a couple things that I was able to plug in that they didn't really think of. But as performers, it's like, wow, this is good shit. And I think there's a lot of people... Listen, we don't know where those millions of wrestling fans went but from back in, you know, the Monday Night Show days. They might be gone forever, but there might be a whole new crop that see these guys and go, this is something, it's the same thing as kind of WWE, but it's completely different. And that's where I think our our, our, our chance and our strength lies in really taking this. Well, I think that's, that's where you see a lot of people getting really excited because I think, you know, everybody at this point knows it's a work, but... What we're doing here is real, and everybody knows what we're doing is real, and it's getting people really excited. And uh, I think that's what's the key to building this buzz, to recreating that feeling from 20 years ago when there was actual competition. And, uh, you know, am I saying that our goal is to have uh, all those revenue streams in place where it's like a true legitimate competition? No. I think what I'm saying is uh, that, right, you know, when you're trying to present the best possible show you can, uh, when you're trying to uh, get a production team together, when you're trying to uh, get top networks interested in your product, like, yeah, having stars like Chris Jericho and having the top upcoming stars like the Elite with Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Cody. It, it gets people really, really excited. It gets people really fired up. And yeah, I think uh, for me, you know, I've always been excited about Pro Resu. I've, I've been into Lucha since I was, you know, 12, 13 years old. But like I was saying, um, I got more into them. They became a bigger part of my consumption. They didn't just become like uh, something I would, you know, watch on the weekends when I wasn't watching like Raw or Nitro or ECW. Like they became like the number two thing. It was like if we, you know, that was the other thing to watch. And uh, I think it became like that for a lot of people where uh, that became a large part of their wrestling. 
consumption was uh, watching uh, Pro Wrestling, watching New Japan, watching these guys, and watching you. And then, uh, you know, you've helped expand that base, expand that viewership. And now, all of a sudden, like, we're launching with a base of really hot people. So I made this comparison before when we were talking about WCW, about, you know, when you and Eddie Guerrero are two of the top uh, workers in the world and you're getting exposed on national television with a big name star like Hulk Hogan. And now for you to be able to bring uh, that same presence uh, to people that haven't had the national television and now are going to get over that same way you you did, I think it's really exciting. And uh, what's cool about it is that, look, like people didn't get to see like uh, a lot of uh, you know Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper in the ring with Chris Jericho and Eddie Guerrero on never Nitro. saw it exactly my point you would never see that but uh, here like you know you're mixing it up with all of all these top workers with all these top guys and uh, these are going to be great matches and uh, I just think you know I'm so excited to work with you and I'm really excited that you share the same passion that we all share here at this company for the business because look like what we've started and what we're about to do with the roster of talent we have i just think uh it's the beginning of something really really special like i get excited about it but i get even more excited when you see like what's been happening at the rally at the ticket on sale party the buzz we built think about how palpable this buzz is going to be as we get closer to double or nothing i mean you know <laughs> it's so exciting and uh to me it's only the beginning See, no, you've got so many interesting things there from what I'm saying. The thing I love about this is you've really, and listen, this is, people are making jokes. I'm having someone yesterday was like, oh, it's Cody's championship wrestling. Like, no, 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 you guys are missing the point. It's Tony's vision. You have some great generals, just as Vince does. And I'm one of Vince's generals. Now I'm one of yours. You, you've put together a, a really great roster in that you have, you know, the, 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 like, it's like Gordie Howe in 1980 when he just, been playing for 30 years but could still score 35 goals a year but now gordy's going to teach the rest of the guys what's up so that's the jericho position i just happened after the last year the timing the reinvention being a hot commodity great for me then you got bucks cody canny guys that have been around but no one really knows but people know that are going to be your top scorers then you got a guy like adam page who do that guy like we have our homegrown guy yeah we will build him into a champion hopefully i get a chance to work with him and kick his ass and teach him some shit because that's a guy and then we've got all these other guys you mentioned from joey janela to mjf to to a, a scorpio sky a couple other great veterans and kazarian and daniels i mean you've got a great roster of all different levels yep. and that's how as as i'm sure you do in the jaguars that's how you win championships is by having all the different levels of experience that can teach and learn and play together to win Absolutely. And what's great, I think, also about uh, the lack of uh, second uh, major national promotion with these kind of production values that viewers were putting their time and money into for years is that, yeah, like these young stars that are coming in, you know, they're not coming in totally cold. Like, sure, they haven't worked on live TV uh, in this kind of a situation, in this kind of an environment before, but they do have a base. They are known and they've got, you know, some buzz around them. And what we, what's been great is like, you know, at the rally in the party, sure, there's people there to see Chris Jericho now, but 
people know every single performer on this roster and are excited about everything they're doing, top to bottom, male, female, uh, and it's really, really exciting. And we haven't touched on it too much, but I think what we're doing with women's wrestling yes. and what we're going to do is going to be very exciting. and Very to, different, too, once again. It's, exactly. The roster is very different already. It's going, and it's, it's only going to get more diverse and more interesting as we go. I'm very excited about it. I think uh, the athleticism and pace the work rate we're going to bring to our women's division, I think uh, will be just above and beyond anything that's ever uh, been done. And to me, in a lot of ways, you know, it, it's just going to be different from what other people are doing. Cause I think there's some amazing, amazing, amazing stuff being done in different places in women's wrestling right now. But uh, to me, what I would compare it to, and I have compared it internally. This is what I said to you guys uh, when we, when we talked about the vision, I know, you know, different people in the company, Brandy and, uh, you know, Kenny Omega have had really, really interesting visions for what they want to do uh, with this. And that, you know, that uh, I think right now there are enough incredibly athletic, incredibly talented, incredibly charismatic women to build a division to me that will be like the WCW Cruiserweight division, a division populated with these great athletes who haven't had this kind of national exposure before, uh, who are just going to shine under the spotlight and deliver really athletic, really fast paced matches. The work rate of this division, I just think is going to be off the charts. And when you have the kind of discerning eyes for talent, you know, that you guys have involved and, uh, we're putting on these kind of shows with the kind of production values we're talking about. Yeah. I think it's going to do some really exciting things for women's wrestling too. As we wind down here, um, obviously the buck stops with you. When, when a talent is pitched to you, what's the final thing that you're looking at before you say yay or nay? Because obviously I'm sure everyone's got ideas, and I'm sure there's guys coming out of the woodwork. I've had every single old school brother calling me, hey, brother, you got a spot for me over there? We're spending a ton of money on talent. We're building uh, a great roster, a big and diverse roster of talent. I think what's important is that everybody brings something different but additive. And the key thing is that we're not going to sign up every single talented person right. out there. You can't. And it was one of the problems with WCW. It was it was that there were too many people <laughs> under contract. So and many guys. A lot of them were super talented yeah. and super great. And it's like when if you were going to cut down their contracts, you'd be making some really tough decisions because there are a lot of really great people under contract at WCW, but you just don't need that many people under contract, especially but when... Isn't the same thing that's going on with WWE right now, though? They're signing everybody, and they can't use everybody, you know? And for us, uh, I think, you know, we need to be discerning. We need to make this a sustainable business. And to me, I want to learn from mistakes people have made in the past. So let's sign up every valuable piece of talent we can that we have a plan for. But let's not sign up too many people that, you know, we can't push everybody we like. Let's not be guilty of the same thing that we mock other people for. Let's, mm -hmm. you know, we, let's not live in a glass house here. Let's, uh, right. let's uh, really try and focus on the people we sign and make sure we're giving them a, a good chance and not just sign people up for the sake of, of having them. Because when you get into that, that's when you really uh, damage the business and also hurt those guys' ability to grow. That's a great point because, like you said, if it's a, for example, if it's a two-hour show, there's only so many names you can push, and it's not more than I honestly would say probably ten. You know, you got ten names to push, you got ten people that can help you get there, and that's about it for two hours. Yeah. You know, and I think I was telling Cody the other night the roster we have right now, in my mind. 
and I'm not the booker, but just if I was armchair booking, we got eight to 12 months already with just the guys that you have signed. That's it. Even just guys that I think of like, okay, I could do this for three months. I could do that. I could do this guy for a while. And that's when you start realizing like we've got a lot of guys and, and, and people don't even know them all right now. Cause we still have more coming, but we've announced jungle boy and Jimmy havoc. And when you mentioned Kenny Omega and, and, and then, of course, this, the AAA relationship, which is a huge coup, by the way, because that opens up the doors to Pentagon and Phoenix. I want to wrestle both of them, by the way, and I want to do a tag team match with me and Kenny against both of them at some point. But, I mean, you've got this whole other door opened to some of the greatest performers in the world that no one knows. And Conan will tell you, this guy, this guy, this guy, that's a huge thing as well. So we've got a lot of options. And then, of course, the cats in China – Oh my gosh! Have you seen that? Of course, I've seen it. We wouldn't, I wouldn't have booked him if I hadn't seen him. Yeah, of course, I've seen I had it. never heard anything about them until you announced it in Jacksonville, and I went and watched them in China. It's O W E. Yeah, O W E. These guys are insane. It's amazing stuff. Uh, they they've got some really cool high spots they put together. It's uh, some of the sequences are just really cool. It's like if you literally took Cirque du Soleil. And put them in a wrestling ring. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, I would love to work with those guys. I don't know if I could do it. Like, these guys obviously have been training together for a long time. And it's it's something that no one's ever seen before in this country. Now, obviously, it reminds me of when I saw Ricochet versus Will Ospreay. I'm sure you saw that match. Sure. All the old school brothers like, this is bullshit. This sucks. No. This is a style of wrestling the same way that hitting someone with a light tube, which I'm not a big fan of, <laughs> is a style of wrestling as well. OWE guys are like that. It's just like you have to sit back and just just marvel at the athleticism and the creativity. Yeah, absolutely. They're tremendous, uh, and they're going to be a great part of the presentation too. Um, so, yeah, what we're bringing in from uh, in terms of wrestlers from different international companies, uh, they're going to add a lot to the product too. But to the point you're making, yeah, we've already got a tremendous roster, and uh, you know we're still growing. So uh, that's why it's important to be really discerning, and uh, that's frankly why you know, all the time there's really exciting names that we get and they're great people, but I just, you know, I have to be the bearer of bad news. Like, I don't think this is going to work out for, you know, whatever reason, just because, uh, usually with a lot of these great names, there's people that are very talented, but for us, like I was saying, we just can't push everybody. There's not enough time. Do you, uh, are you, are, are, I'm not, I'm saying this with the almost the respect and, and just, are you ready to, do that like you're the boss now and there's going to be a lot of people that you, like you said you have to be the bearer of bad news and i haven't seen your 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 mean side i'm sure you have to have one but are you ready for that yeah i mean i don't i wouldn't say it's a mean side i mean it's a business so right. like uh i good, think you've seen the that side of me a few times uh and uh so yeah i think you know we haven't spent that much time together yet but you've probably seen that and uh and sometimes you got to make a tough decision and uh you know you, you guys might not always agree with them but i do think uh that when it comes to you know who's going to be on the roster what what we're going to do with different people sometimes yeah you know you you can't pay everybody it's but, but you have to have that though like i said i was in wcw when there was so many bosses i didn't even know who my boss was obviously bischoff was but was he really was it hogan was it you know savage was it this guy this guy this guy and the one thing i learned from working for vince is you need to have the buck stops here sure and there's no debating that's the way it goes and that's that's what you that's what 
all of us lemmings and sheep and gypsies, tramps and thieves need that. <laughs> <laughs> the gypsies, tramps. I've always loved the gypsies, tramps and thieves thing. You've, uh, you've got, I, I've loved the expression as long as you've used it. I remember this story you told in your podcast a long time ago about like uh, when you, when you uh, uh, were working angle with Goldberg and WCW and uh, when Hogan came into the locker room that was all the miscellaneous other guys yeah. it was you guys the gypsies tramps and thieves yeah. <laughs> and you heard he was looking for you and you're like oh god he's in here with all of us dirtbags it was like we were on the titanic he came down to the lower deck with the irish kids <laughs> it was chris jericho I'm like hogan's down here <laughs> that's great uh last couple things how important was all in and the success of all in to you was did that kind of make you think that we could oh really it was a work? big big part of the equation for sure i was keeping a really close eye on it i mean i definitely looked at the business case for this and had considered it long before the guys had done all in before it had sold out or and and long before they'd actually put on the show but then when it came time to do it yeah it was a big part of my thinking and uh really shaped what i was doing and uh yeah i mean i i was uh very very excited about the show as a fan and i followed the buzz as a fan and then just really to see how excited people were firsthand to be there and be a part of it and to see all those fans and what a big like life experience it was for so many people like a life-changing experience and uh it just made me feel even stronger about what we're doing when you think about AEW, and this might be a hard question to answer but what is your short-term goal and what is the long-term goal I think the short-term goal for this year is to do multiple successful pay-per-views and pay-per-views meaning like a double or nothing. Yeah, double or nothing. Uh, and later in the year, we'll, we'll we'll be doing something else exciting. And also, uh, I've got a charitable event in the summer at uh, Jacksonville. In Jacksonville, it's called Fight for the Fallen. We'll announce more details about that uh, at a later date. Uh, it's a uh, to benefit victims of gun violence and causes we feel really strongly about. There's been uh, some really terrible tragedies in Jacksonville, including uh, what happened at the Jacksonville Landing at the EA Sports uh, Madden Tournament, which uh, is literally close to home for me, downtown Jacksonville. And uh, in addition to doing some uh, successful pay-per-views, uh, I'd say another short-term goal is the launch of our television program, which I'm excited to announce more details about again in the future and uh, long-term goals. I would like five years from now for this to be a growing business that's been around, that's delivered on all of its promises, that uh, hasn't alienated its fans, that hasn't alienated the performers. I would like for everybody to be able to say that I've never lied to them, that I've never lied to you, that I've never lied to the Bucks or Cody or, or Kenny. I'd like uh, for everybody to get out of this and say that we gave them a fair chance, that you know we uh, did something good for them in their career, that we treated them well. I'd like for everybody to come out of this five years from now and say that thank goodness that we got into this because the wrestling business is a better place. The fans are happier. I'd like for uh, everybody five years from now, long term, to look at this and say that when we got into this, it really was a pivotal moment that changed things for everybody that loves wrestling for the better. I think that would be awesome. And I'm going to say this too. One of the things that I think is very important, and you know this because you're already doing it, is that to be successful, you have to delegate. 
and you've got a great infrastructure and there's a lot of names we could go through them but people might not know the names but i do there's guys here that i'm like oh my gosh i've known this guy for 20 years or 10 years and not talking russ i'm talking about guys in the infrastructure that are in charge of the production booking the the talent uh booking the arenas all of social media it's very important and, and i've been dealing with probably six to eight guys already just behind the scenes and that's very smart yeah we built a great team we launched uh with a great group of production and operations people they're great guys they're all really fun to work with i'm glad you've had good experiences with them i've i've had great all of them yeah and it's a growing team i mean we're going to be uh continuing to grow and continuing to try and keep that high standard of people where you know you're always happy to work with them and and vice versa it's great to have talent and and top wrestlers like yourself where the talent's like man chris is actually a great guy that you know um because a lot of times when you're dealing with big stars and big talent whether it's in entertainment or sports or, or whatever you know they're not always the nicest people but here i mean we got a lot of great people and it's a great place to work just wait until you ask me to do a job <laughs> <laughs> hey <Noted>. man <laughs> last last qu two questions one who are your favorite wrestlers of all time and what's your favorite match you've ever seen or some of your favorite matches? My favorite wrestlers of all time would be a really long list. Uh, and if you don't mind, do if I give you a little bit of a list. Please. Uh, Ric Flair, uh, Randy Savage, uh, the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette. Obviously, uh, Chris Jericho, the Elite, nice. uh, of course, the Elite. And uh, one of my favorite tag teams of all time, uh, Goldust and Cody Rhodes. Uh, and Interesting. Yeah, Goldust and Cody Rhodes. I really enjoyed the feud with Goldust and Cody Rhodes against the Shield uh, when Goldust and Cody brought Dusty back. Um, oh, that was great. That was it. Was awesome stuff. I feel they could have done more with Goldust and Cody. I really feel that it was a great. Uh, it was a great feud they had. And uh, you know, some of my favorite matches of all time would also include uh, your match with Kenny Omega at the Tokyo oh, Dome. Thanks, man. Uh, your match with Ultimo Dragon. I would say Shawn Michaels Razor Ramon ladder match, the Flair Steamboat matches. God, so many, so many others uh, come to mind. Midnight Express Southern Boys uh, from That's, Great I America. love that you said Bobby Eaton, man, one of the greatest of all time. I Midnight Express obviously is a team, but Bobby Eaton, <laughs> underrated. I found this match online. I don't. It, it, it was not on YouTube, and I I hadn't seen it. It was uh from one of I believe it was from one of the syndicated WCW shows. Uh, and it was Ric Flair as a babyface against Bobby Eaton as a heel. And it was so good. It was so, so, so good. And I wish it were more prominently available. But I, that, yeah, Bobby Eaton, amazing. Uh, he would call spots on the fly. As in, like, not a whole spot. Like, he'd shoot you and go, tackle. And then he'd take the tackle. And then as he was running, he'd say, drop down. And then he'd drop down. And you have to watch his mouth leapfrog. And then you leapfrog him and look hip toss. So it would be one you never would fuck up because it would just be one move at a time. But only he could do it. Like I've never worked with anybody else that would ever. And I only had a couple of matches with him. But he only that was one of his things that 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 he did that no one else has ever done from my experience. You know who I really love is Buddy Landell. I wow. re really love Nature Boy Buddy Landell. Uh, his work in Mid South. Uh, I thought he was he had such a promising career. And uh, it's amazing, amazing to me that uh, he didn't really do more. It's really sad that he didn't. I do think more. he was his own worst enemy. A lot yeah. of those brothers back in that day were, you know what I mean? Yeah. The 80s was a was a rough time for the brothers. <laughs> Have you ever seen the Bill and Buddy show? No. The Bill and Buddy show is where uh, it's like after Buddy got fired, uh, he was like the national heavyweight champion. You know, he beat Terry Taylor to win the national title at Starcade, and then he ended up getting fired uh, and he ended up in Memphis. 
and I think it's 86. Uh, they do a thing where, uh, first of all, there's just some great stuff. I don't know if you, have you ever seen the Lawler and Mantell against Landell and Dundee, Texas death match? I didn't watch a lot of Memphis matches. This it is nuts. It's so good. It's Dutch and Jerry Lawler against uh, Bill and Buddy. Bill Lawler, Dundee Lawler. And Buddy Landell. One of the best of all time. One, oh, geez, what, In all uh, categories. Yeah. If you don't know that, guys, go just watch any Jerry Lawler, anything. Yeah. You're thinking of the, the creepy old man uh, commentating on Raw. No, no, no. Go watch Jerry, the King Lawler in Memphis, and marvel at how amazing he was. That match specifically is just fantastic. And so there's this great angle where uh, there's like a heel trio of Dutch Mantel, Bill Dundee, and Buddy Landell. And like a lot of groups of three people, like two of them kind of like talk shit about one of them behind his back. And that's Dutch Mantel. And eventually Lance Russell had had enough. And he just told Dutch, he was like, Dutch, these guys behind your back, they talk terrible about you. And then he just showed him, I think. And uh, so anyway, Bill and Buddy ended up as a unit. And uh, there's this great episode on Memphis TV where uh, Bill Dundee and Buddy Landell like come out with their own desk. And uh, almost like they, uh, you know, like... uh, uh, that like the Treehouse Radio, kind of, they can't, they come out and start doing their own commentary, and it's the Bill and Buddy show, and uh, it's just this phenomenal thing. I, Buddy was a phenomenal talent, and like you said, his own worst enemy. But that's like a great example of somebody who I think should have been a lot bigger than he was. Do you, just something popped in my head. How do you feel? I mean, obviously, and this is not, I'm not looking for you to bury, but what do you feel when you think about Vince McMahon and, and all that he accomplished? Because now, I mean, you are the Vince McMahon of AEW in a way. Vince McMahon's one of uh, my all-time uh, idols in terms of building a brand and, uh, you know, uh, sustaining a great company. And uh, some of the greatest uh, matches and stories of all time uh, have been in the World Wrestling Federation and World Wrestling Entertainment, the World Wide Wrestling Federation. So, yeah, I'm a lifelong fan of... Uh, of their product. Uh, so that's uh, crazy to think when and you say it like that. Now you're at war with him. I don't think that's <laughs> the case. Damn it. I was laughing when we did the, uh, the rally in Jacksonville and I was, cause it was so crazy. I'm sure it wasn't a coincidence that I'm uh, sure it was a coincidence. <laughs> that Smackdown happened to be literally across the parking lot. It was when everyone got back from Japan. It was like January 8th. It was like a couple days after the show <laughs> and it was the quickest I could get everybody back. Cause like, you know, it was a, I, I didn't know everyone wasn't going to be on New Year's Dash, so I, the eighth made a lot of sense for to launch. You know, such a great uh, coincidence then, because when all the pyro was going off at the end of my uh, presentation, I was howling because I know I know Vince. He's like, "Damn it, would you stop those fireworks? I'm trying to have a meeting here. <laughs> we spent a lot of money on that, and it was worth it." Hey, <laughs> talking about starting off with a bang. That's one thing. Jacksonville was a huge thing. Uh, today at the MGM was a huge thing. So we're definitely starting off on the right foot for sure. Absolutely. I mean, uh, look, uh, that's what I was talking about when I say like bringing the production values and you know this quality of entertainment back to this level of wrestling. Because, yeah, there are a couple of wrestling shows out there with very, very good production values in Raw and SmackDown. But I think we're going to offer something very different than what they offer, a very different kind of product that's going to look in, you know, visually, in my opinion, as good or better in a lot of ways. But for uh, the kind of wrestling fan we're trying to attract, the kind of person uh, that cares about, you know, the competition, uh, the quality of the work and the winner and the loser, then, yeah, I think uh, this will be really the best wrestling television show ever. It's a very exciting time for, for, for wrestling fans and for the wrestlers themselves, including myself. And I'm excited, man. And like I said, it's, 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 a, it's a very a honor to talk to you, especially when you came to the 
fucking Lulu Temple. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. I don't even know what city that's in. I, it was like a Plymouth? bus ride. It was a that sounds right, Plymouth. Plymouth yeah, it was Massachusetts a, or something. Yeah, is that right? It was a bu- it was a bus ride. It was a little bit of a bus ride, but it was fun. They had like tapes and you know sodas. So <laughs> hey, tapes and sodas, baby. <laughs> Tony, thanks, man. I'm looking forward to a, a long relationship working with you. Thank you very much, Chris. This has been great. Thank you for having me. All right, thanks to my new boss, the founder and uh, creator of All Elite Wrestling, Tony Khan, for taking the time to run through the story with me. We got a killer roster, some amazing people working behind the scenes. It's exciting. Once again, I can't believe Double or Nothing in Las Vegas Memorial Day weekend, May 25th at the MGM Arena. Uh, we sold it out, baby. Sold out in less than uh, five minutes. So uh, we actually going to have more confirmation on that on Friday. We'll get the exact time. Hope you got your tickets. If you didn't, it's going to be on pay-per-view. Uh, you got to be quick with us here because we are changing the universe. And also, don't forget about ChrisJerichoCruise.com to get on the pre-sale list for the greatest vacation of your life. And coming up on Friday, talking about the worst vacation of people's lives. Lives, a first-hand account of the fire festival fraud what a disaster that turned out to be and now you can hear from someone who's actually there austin j mills a host of young hollywood was there uh, a friend of mine for years he's going to tell us all about the worst fraud uh, basically in promoting history if you haven't seen the documentary go to netflix and watch the fire festival um, or hulu uh, just fire uh, just google fire f-y-r-e in netflix or hulu Watch the documentary. We're going to talk all about that on Friday. It's the fraud of the Fire Festival. Uh, in the meantime and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big, yeah, boy, change the universe, baby. Alpha versus Omega 2, May 25th at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Don't you dare miss it. I oh, am. Yeah.